I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on a knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this! <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You are in retreat. We're not rioting yet. I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. That spider game sounds way cooler than manta rays, doesn't it? And I was like, well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff. That's how we should describe the podcast. If they ever went out and recruited one more person, then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then. Let's start the show. Welcome, Flash. We're back. It's not been that long either. How you doing? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. How you doing? Welcome to our our listeners, however many of you there are out there. We appreciate your listenership. And we, do. We, welcome. we we appreciate all three of them. So, uh, <laughs> and I think you and I are two of them. So uh, you know, that's right. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I hold all three of us dearly. So, whoever that third one is, you keep going, buddy. You're you're anonymous, but we love you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, right as we start here, my headphone decides to. Well, it's always good to have a few uh, technical technical problems. It makes it sound real. Otherwise, people just think you know this is perfected and we've rehearsed it for weeks on end. Trust me, trust me. I almost said viewers. That would have been trust me, listeners. Uh, there's there's no rehearsal. We come in, we do this thing cold. We do it live. We go out and we just perform. That's right. And it's not polished. It's meant to not be polished. It's raw. Yeah. It's real raw. Exactly. You get that raw energy, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because you buy a DVD with a film or with a, like a TV show. TV shows, classic example. So you buy, you buy a TV show. What do you watch more? You watch the TV show. I bet you watch the outtakes and the little bit at the end that tells you about how it was made and all the bits that went wrong. You watch that a damn sight more. I know I do. So effectively, I am watching Flash right now. Okay. I thought you were getting some sort of Baylor twine string out to bandage your headphones. Listeners, if you could see what I could see now, you would see Flash, a man in distress, with a headphone sticking at right angles to the rest of his head as he quickly changes to a backup pair of earphones. Ah, slick and professional, Flash. Slick and professional. Okay, I've got it sorted. We're just abandoning this one set, going to the other ones. Okay, here we go. If you're if you're feeling ready to ride, should we uh, let's dive in with something jolly? Uh, We know this is probably the listeners' favourite topics from uh, the messages we uh, we don't receive. Uh, (laughs) Flash, why don't you take us for a quick? Ebola update. Oh, see, we've even got the jingles. We've got the jingles. That's right, man. It's it's resurfaced. You know the, what the the, uh, the dreaded Ebola has come back to to Africa. It's like a boomerang. I mean, it's something. So it's something you know we talked about in all our previous Ebola updates. You know, with the big West African outbreak of what was it like 2014? I think 2014, um, 2015. Not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um. The idea was like, you know, will will we now see more and more outbreaks? Will we continue to see um, outbreaks occur now that we've had this big flare-up? Um, will it sort of persist on the continent and we'll see more and more of it? And who knows? This might be evidence of it. Um, at the moment, we're talking about three confirmed deaths in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and I think the numbers were, I think I can pull them up here too. What did we say? 19, 19 cases? 19 cases, yeah. So this is all coming about since um, about 22nd of April. Um, they had nine suspected, three deaths, um, and now we are up to 19, I think. So, um, yeah, interesting. You know, the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, I would say is, you know, and this is me speaking from a place of, ignorance having never been to the congo also, or africa also known as germany yeah yeah <laughs> um it seems a bit more you know the infrastructure is even worse we'll say 
than in places like Guinea and Liberia, where the, the last big outbreak was. So I'm kind of wondering, just thinking about this, um, not knowing the area, not know it's not knowing, you know, how it's going to work is, is the isolation a good thing or is it, you know, a bad thing? Um, a good thing in the way that, you know, you don't have lots of traffic going in and out of villages or places that might be affected with Ebola. So you've got, you know, it's, it's a natural quarantine. Um, a bad thing in terms of not having the health infrastructure there to actually help people and do what is, you know, possibly the most important step in, in these Ebola outbreaks is the contact monitoring. So when you, you know that you have a confirmed case of Ebola, you then have to go back and basically quarantine every single person that that person had come into contact with. And that's like, like one of the most important steps you can do in an outbreak to just stop that spread. You know, get those people that may be exposed, that may have been exposed and that may be infected and get them quarantined so that you're not then they're not spreading the yeah. infection on. So, so I don't know. I guess we'll like, I, I have no idea. I don't know. I know the World Health Organization right now is basically saying the risk for the, for the whole nation of the DRC is high. And I think that they're not, you know, they're not fucking around this time because they were kind of slow to yeah. act last time. So I think they're banking on that a bit too. Like just being like, no, we're, we're going to try and, Get as get in there quickly as, quick as we can. Yeah. yeah, I think from from what I saw, I think the the two good things this time: a who getting there a lot quicker to try and manage the situation. I think also um, they've isolated where the first case come from, so I think they've isolated it to a guy that basically had been out hunting. They described it as wild meat, but effectively chimpanzees, um, and they they've tracked it down to there. So I guess that would point to it not being some sort of latent resurgence of of the outbreak from before and it's you know yeah. it's a new new case and they're just reading now that they've said it, it's occurred in an area that's really quite isolated from dense populations so they, they're hoping by getting in there quick they can lock it down just to that that isolated region uh, and stop it spreading to like the big metropolises which uh, yeah it'd be good but you know the, the one good benefit is that you know we get the Ebola segment back on the show which you know <laughs> You and I both enjoy, the listeners enjoy it, um, you know, so. I, in a morbid kind of way. Yeah, in a more, it's like watching, it's like car crash podcasting. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Which is much like that's our right. presenting style, so. Yeah, rough and rough and ready. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting that you mentioned that they traced it to, you know, maybe hunting chimpanzees or something like this. Because, I mean, that speaks to, mm-hmm. you know. One of the big mysteries of Ebola that we've discussed many a time is what's the what's the natural host? How is it getting into humans? Uh, bats have long been thought to be the carriers, right? And it's exposure to bats that then breaks into humans. But maybe this is, you know, we're finding if he's if it was from consuming meat or coming into contact with some other animal, chimpanzees, maybe. You know, maybe there's another potential host, but nobody really knows. So the other thing that I'm interested to find out, which we'll, I'm sure we'll find out in the coming weeks, is whether the strain is the same uh, as yeah, the yeah. as the outbreak, the West African outbreak, or whether it's a different strain of the virus, which could also, you know, affect how quickly it spreads and you know, how deadly it is. These kind of things. Um, you know, the you you mentioned you touched on there that it is in an isolated area, so that could be good um, yeah. to stop transmission. But I mean, I was just reading just a little bit about it before we started rolling here, and they were talking. This story was saying how the guy, one of the first guys that got or first confirmed cases in this outbreak, basically had like come into a, a medical center, you know, with the classic symptoms. He's vomiting bleeding everywhere in high fever all this stuff and then went to move on to another medical center because they couldn't treat him there um and i took a taxi or something like this or he was brought to the original center in a taxi either way he took a taxi while he had all these terrible symptoms 
and the taxi driver then picks up got it, you know, and so, well, and the the taxi driver is now a confirmed case, you know, so it shows us how easily it can spread even in like a remote area like that. But that just that image to me kind of blew my mind of like, what sort of triage is going on that you walk into that first place, high fever, bleeding from orifices, vomiting. Yeah. You walk in and the, the triage nurse is like, yeah, we're busy today. So, yeah, no, no room at the inn. Or it just speaks to the, you know, the, the lack of, of infrastructure and stuff and that they're just like, we can't do anything for you. Like, this is serious, so you need to go somewhere else, right? right? Yeah. But then the image of hailing a cab whilst bleeding from all your orifices. Yeah, you don't see, and the you cab don't see driver, Uber putting that on their adverts, do you? Yeah. And I mean, God bless the cab driver for trying to like help the guy, take the guy, or I don't, you know, like who knows how that, how that went down, but you know, having, it's just, it's crazy and it's terrifying. And it's like, I've always think that's one of the reasons that I've always gravitated to the, these stories is that there is this, it's, it's really terrifying and you know, we'll see, we'll see where it goes from here. I do, I hope and not hope that we have Ebola updates coming up further, but We'll see. Well, talking of moving on and meandering on, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us to our next story with a, a very weak segue link there. Of um, you ever played the game Poo Sticks, my good friend? I have. You throw a stick off a bridge, and a couple people throw sticks off a bridge, and you got see it? who's yeah who makes it to the other side, side first. first. You got it in one. Uh, so. There's a team from the uh, Deft University in uh, Myanmar, so former Burma, uh, who are basically um, scientific poo sticks. Um, so they're trying to map the flow of uh, the Arodi River that runs through uh, Myanmar, um, but they're limited on budget. They don't have the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that we would have in the West. Uh, so they've, uh, they call it tinkering for scientific discovery, tinkering for science. <laughs> Um, and basically what they've done is they've come up with a way of using coconuts, effectively like poo sticks. Um, so throwing uh, coconuts into the river and then mapping them as they flow down the river. And then from that, they can model how that river flows um, for around about $150 as opposed to a quarter of a million dollars, which it would, you know, sort of cost here. Um, so I, I, when I first saw this story, I was sort of looking through, looking for stories to, to sort of we could discuss and podcast on. And I... I saw tinkering for science. And I sort of skipped by it. So, you know, there's something for the headline. You need to get something to grab you. And then yeah. I went back and read it. But these guys, these guys sound as if they're doing it for all the right reasons. So basically um, what they've said is the Arodi River is the major river that runs through uh, Myanmar, but nobody's ever mapped how it flows. And basically the, the main reason for doing this is it's so heavily relied on what happens if you have uh, an environmental catastrophe, some sort of pollution spill, how will the river cope with it? How how will it move it? How will it mix mm-hmm, it? How will mm-hmm. it disperse it and dilute it? Um, and this is by all accounts has been mapped out for most major rivers through through the world, and obviously in the bigger countries, some of the smaller tributaries. So they wanted to do it uh, for the Arodi River. So uh, what they've done is they've taken um, three hundred coconuts, um, <laughs> and the reason they've used coconuts is because coconuts have a density almost equal to one. So when you put it in the water, it doesn't float and it doesn't sink. It sort of sits just submerged below the surface. And okay. Then, and then from that, they can um, attribute any movement just to the tide or the flow of the river as opposed to wind pushing it along if it was to sit on the surface. Right. Um, then what they've done – now, this is what I don't understand. What they then do with the coconuts to make them easier to see and to track them is attach balloons to them with lights in. Now, surely if you attach a balloon to it, then potentially it's being moved by the wind. That's the bit I don't understand. Yeah, it's probably negligible. You know, they they yeah. just you know you factor that in, factor, or you just yeah. kind of they all have balloons on them, so you just kind of have like it's still standardized over. Yeah, so all coconuts. But what they've done is they put bicycle lights inside the balloons, and then they've used different colors as to where the the those balloons were put in. So if they were put in on the side of the river, they're one color. If they put in the middle of the river, they're another. Ah. Uh, with the prediction that the water on the side of the river moves slower than the river in the water in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and then basically they use uh, good old grad students and undergrad students and position them on the bridges along the river. 
uh, and then they throw the 300 coconuts in and they basically just time at what point each coconut passes under the bridge. Uh, and then from that, they can work out the distance traveled, the speed, and, you know, basically map and model the way that's flown. So that was the first level of the experiment, which I think is brilliant. You know, it's a bit MacGyverish, isn't it? I, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's doing yeah, doing what you can with what you got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so then the next level, I think this is where it gets. Um, it's not as good as coconuts, I don't think, but I like it on another level. So then the next level was um, how could they model the behavior more accurately? Uh, so what they did is they took a waterproof box, so one of these like clip lid sandwich boxes that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they went down to the local electronics store, um, so Radio Shack or Maplins, whatever it's called around the world. Uh, they bought a GPS tracker, uh, a data card, and a small transmitting device. Um, total of about $150. Um, and basically packaged that all together so then they've got a waterproof tracking device that then they can sit um, within a box and then put that within the river and send it down. But obviously the worry is that that box is going to move around too much. They need to weigh it down in the river um, on the little raft that it's on. So what can they use for weight and for ballast? Um, and basically they took metal from old scrap cars uh, and, <laughs> and cut it to the right size and the right right weight to basically just weigh it down enough so it sits flush in the water. And then they sent that bad boy down. And then from that, they can track it obviously all the way down and get more accurate a picture of what they're doing. But then comparing that with the coconut data, um, they think they've come up with a fairly fairly accurate flow of, of how this really yeah. moves. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, brilliant. And just hearing these two guys talk, you know, it sounds like they're in science for all the, you know, the, as you said, they're trying to do what they can with what they've got. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I just really like that. A bit of a MacGyverish type science. I like that. Well, it's something like I had a I had a, one of the supervisors for my PhD. He always ran this course that was like a field biology course. Right. So it's it's exactly that. It's like you go out into the woods and you're trying to get data and stuff. But the it was totally the opposite of you know what you think when you think you know science and sequencing genomes and you know all this lab stuff and everything. It was like no, it's like you can do a lot with a shovel a pail you know some some string some you know whatever it is and like that was like kind of half half the course was basically just being like macgyvers of you know building your own equipment and designing an experiment in the in the field in actually where it's happening not in a lab and getting some you know you get some good you get some good results from it so yeah that's great i like to hear it and man it just had me thinking of like what if you you got these balloon lights, right, that are all flowing down the river? If you could have like a drone above them, just yeah, filming it, because then you could actually see the the colors mix, right, and see where they move, and you could almost have a like a three D, well not three D, but you could have a visualization of of yeah. the flow and of the current. Well, the, the, and obviously we'll tweet all these stories out at the end so people can go and read them. But the, the picture they got of the river with the, the, it's at night with the lit up. It, it, it actually just looks really pretty. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, as you said, what's the next step? You, you know, you see people just buying a, a cheap, relatively cheap drone and tracking it that way. Who, yeah. Yeah. And all and these getting, little bolts on. Yeah. 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 That's sweet. That's really cool. Speaking of uh, quick fixes, I'm not going to delve into it. Obviously, uh, I, I presume it's hit the news there in Germany, this uh, WannaCry ransomware virus that's hit. Does that hit the news in Germany? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know too much about it. but uh, So the main the main things that hit here in the UK were actually um, NHS, our hospital computers. So I think there was something like 20-odd, 20, 20 um, maybe even more. Um, hospitals affected by the virus where they literally couldn't access patient data and things like that. Um, but the uh, there was a guy that basically it hit on Friday uh, and there was a guy, a blogger, a tech, technology blogger, a uh, young guy who basically over the weekend decided he was going to try and study this virus to see, computer virus, to see what it was doing. Um, and basically he stayed up all weekend and managed to uh, halt the spread of the virus when he basically found what looked to be like a little bit a kill switch within the virus itself um 
so in the interview I saw it basically said he hadn't slept a wink he'd been um, fed by coffee the whole weekend and um, he'd found this kill switch um, but they said actually what what he discovered in the virus was each time it infected a new computer the virus would call out via the internet to a server um, to a web address um, and the web address it was calling out to was just a jumble of letters so it was meaningless you know quite random um, but what he discovered is that the web address it was calling out to actually had never been registered by anyone. So what okay. he did, what he did quite simply was for about $10 is bought the domain name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and therefore by owning the domain name, he could then act, give it, you then got access to the data it was giving back. And from that, he could see, um, where and how computers were accessing it. And therefore, it gave him an idea. He could then picture on a map from the IP addresses where it was spreading. And then yeah. potentially by doing that, he un- unexpectedly triggered a part of the code that basically told it how to stop spreading. Yeah. Um, yeah which yeah. basically was like some of the piece of ra- behind the ransomware. So the idea being that this web this web address would collect the bitcoins that were being sent by people that were paying the ransom. Um, right. And then somebody could then tell that virus to switch itself off. Um, so he's not managed to decrypt the information that's been encrypted by this virus, but yeah, he, yeah. he has, in essence, managed to stop the spread of it just by himself. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was a, a great little what, what a great little weekend project. Oh, I'm going to sit down and study this. Oh, and potentially save the world from a crippling computer virus <laughs> fueled only by coffee. I'm hoping like somebody like Starbucks or Costa or somebody are basically giving that guy coffee for life. He could be the future of. He could take down Skynet. We could all be safe. Yeah. Well, he's probably got uh, a bunch of enemies right now, somewhere on the dark corners of the of the dark web oh, that are quite yeah. upset with him. The other thing that makes me think of is, you know, we always blame whether it was like fake news or bots or something like this. You know, like the stereotype that people always want to put in is like, yeah, it's some. It's some fucking guy in his basement that hasn't slept and he's got coffee stains and Cheetos all over his shirt and he's the one that's doing all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, he is the one doing all this stuff and saving your ass. Yeah. So well, there you, you go. Well, and you're right because in the, in, the, in the interview he gave, he, he basically said, you know, that we managed to stop this one, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't take a genius basically to block off the route that he'd used to shut this one down. So whoever's created the virus obviously has a degree of intelligence so chances are yeah. they'll you know modify the virus and send it back out there in like another ebola type wave attack i guess but i see what you're doing there trying to make links well yeah Call obviously we've, we've done the ebola story but you know i, I do what I can. <laughs> i'm trying to be professional it doesn't always work <laughs> i guess i thought we i thought we agreed that we're getting rid of that well the professionalism yeah. Well, yeah. I we, mean, you can't. You know, it, it's instilled in you and I, Flash. So we can't just get rid of it overnight. It's 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 like breaking a habit. I was going to say you can't lose what you never had, but well, you, know, <laughs> you speak for yourself there. I, I think I think if we were to do some sort of poll, I think the, I think the listeners would say that we're fairly slick and polished. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, I think your your British accent might fool some people, but us, <laughs> us folks from the Commonwealth countries know that the you know. Yeah, you don't be fooled by the accent. Well, exactly. Don't get suckered in by the accent. They will fuck you in the ass eventually. <laughs> well, here's a hot segue for you then. Okay. If we're gonna we're gonna be talking about security, cyber security, and all that, I've got another new use for our favorite encryption security method. The blockchain. Oh, the blockchain the, is back. The love, the lovely blockchain. You know, we're, we're going to have to work on our blockchain update. Uh, well, we'll have to get a jingle for that. I see what you've done there. You've taken. You know, I did reference Bitcoin in the last story, and you you jumped. See, professionalism, Flash. We've got it in abundance. But I wonder if if it if it loses a bit of uh, the shine when we keep mentioning it. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's it's the old adage of when you give a presentation, tell them what you're going to tell them tell them what you're going to tell them and tell them what you told them. So <laughs> I think we basically just have to keep telling the listeners that we are good and how professional and slick we are. And eventually that will just sink in and by osmosis, it'll sink into them. Well, and that will be, they won't remember a lick of the stories that we talked about. They'll just be like, you know what? But those guys were, they, 
who were pretty good, right? They were pretty good. Well, that's and that's the thing that I can't remember the stories we talked apart from Ebola and maybe the blockchain and a few other things that randomly <laughs> crop up. I can't remember what we did from one week to the next. Um, <laughs> but if people go away thinking, hmm, Brad and Flash, fairly slick, fairly professional, saviors of modern media, that that for me is the take home message. Yeah, as it should be. Buy into the brand, not the product. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay. Well, well I'll, I'll uh, decrypt get a, decrypt the story for us, Flash. Yes, yes, yes. So, blockchain. Um, as we've discussed before, it's a great way to encrypt data. It's the technology that's behind Bitcoin. Um, and so it has a lot of potential uses as we move into this world of ever-increasing data and like your last story just, you know, showed us vulnerable data. Yeah. Um, but this was the interesting one, and it's one that I had not thought about, was blockchain and genomics. So this is another big fad that's been, you know, recently coming about, is getting your genome sequenced, right? And and what that could mean for your personal health. Um, so your personal health information. So you get your genome sequenced, and and it, this is a, a debate that we can maybe have for another day. How valid that, how useful that information is at this at this point, whether it's really going to be able to change the your health in a drastic way. However, it can obviously um, help you diagnose some potential risk factors for disease and all this. But the interesting thing, and what this story about the blockchain comes in, is that who then has access to that data and what can they do with that data, your personal genome data. So, I mean, in the U.S., all the, all the talk is healthcare and pre-existing conditions, um, not being insured if you have pre-existing conditions. So if you're, if anyone can look at your genome and say, oh, well, he's at risk for this, 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 or this, we're not going to insure him. That's a pretty big thing. Um, employers, having employers look at your, genomic data and make hiring firing and the rest of it decisions based on that so there is some privacy issues over whether you what you do with your genomic data yeah um and so you know one researcher now turned business person has uh, identified that gap basically and is working to build a software platform to help encrypt your genomic data um and i guess the 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 sort of big term goals or you know themes are of his company so he's made this company now called encryption encryption okay um easy for and you they to say yes yeah, no kidding um and they're not really like it's i'm on their website at the moment um and well, you pretty, you're on their website. They're using you as a poster boy because you know you're a good looking boy, <laughs> Flash. But you know, if you're going to take up a second, second living, let me know because if I have to branch out and go solo with this podcast, you know that's going to take some work. <laughs> it's all in the genes, my friend. Well, I don't um, know. It's been encrypted. I can't read it. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, I'm looking at their website currently, okay. um, and it's and it's there's not a lot there yet because it's it's such a it's brand all encrypted. New thing. They won't let you see it. <laughs> It's such a brand new uh, company, and but they did it. He, the founder of it, did an interview in Forbes, which is what turned me onto this, and it's really, um, yeah, quite interesting. But yeah, so his two main things, I guess, were um, letting researchers still have access to all this genomic data, but in an anonymous way, right? And then also allowing you to have access to your genomic data. And sharing that then with whoever you like, your medical professionals, whatever. So it basically puts you in ownership of your genomic data. Right. Um, okay. Because there was a bunch of patent cases over genomes and stuff. Uh, I think it was a breast cancer gene, basically some or a variant of it. Some company tried to patent it uh, and they were taken to court um, and they lost. 
because effectively, effectively, it would have meant that they would monopolize breast cancer treatment. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, I think it was the U.S. and the Australian Supreme Courts basically have have made you know landmark rulings that you no one can own genomic data. There's no ownership behind it because there's no one actually creating it. It's just in essence used. So there's a lot of gray area in terms of how this is going to be dealt with. This guy identified it and you know, has put the blockchain to yet another use, uh, which is really uh, fascinating to me. I think it's pretty out there. You, again, something I never would have thought of. And, you know, you never know there's a problem until somebody identifies it. But um, so like I was saying, this guy's website is pretty sparse at the moment. But I guess May 23rd, they're sort of debuting their software and everything at this bio it conference i have no idea where the conference is but i think it's something that i'd like to follow up on so uh again i'll tweet out the forbes uh interview with the guy um but just another interesting use of the blockchain and a whole nother thing you know slew of things i need to be worried about if i <laughs> if my genome gets sequenced well and then we'd be living in a world of superhuman clones of flash wouldn't we which you know i personally would find endearing but some people would find terrifying oh what a world it would be indeed so what's so what's his plan is his plan to partner with people that are doing the genomic tests to then secure encrypt the data at that point and then give you access as the owner of that and then you decide or is it yeah he does that all by you know is, is it doing it all in-house what's what do we think his business model is for that that i don't know from what i understand they're not in the sequencing business so okay. they're not they're not actually collecting that genomic data so i think it's it must be and this is this is a good point you bring up because when a company, this is what I thought when I started reading this stuff and getting into it, was when a company sequences my genome and sends it back to me, sends that information back to me, do they keep that data? Like, is there some kind of, you know, record one of those? Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, or, you know, the terms of use where you've basically clicked on agree to everything <laughs> without having read it. And yes, they give you the you know whatever it is from 23 and me the little readout that says oh you're 90 percent from nordic countries and you have mitochondrial dna from here you know like whatever kind of bullshit superficial stuff they give you but yet they have your sequenced genome in their company database that you've basically signed away without knowing i don't know um but it, it made me think about that like They've done the work, they've sequenced it, they obviously have the data on their machines, and they're they're not sending you the whole raw genome. Like that's, you know, however many gigabytes of data. I don't know what it's what it's down to now, but it's not a lot. They basically just send you these little sort of, like I said, superficial readouts of a couple little tests that they do. So what wh who owns that data? And yeah, what is this guy's business model gonna be? Is he gonna be is he kind of moving to a future where it's like everyone already has their genome and they just need to be able to access the information and in a secure way every once in a while? Or is it going to be, you know, these companies, they have everybody's genomic data, but he works with them to basically make that anonymous right, yeah. and accessible. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but it's, it's it speaks to a whole new infrastructure and a whole new you know set of things that need to be built up for this new technology it's not i guess genome sequencing is not new technology but as the technology becomes more accessible and more more yeah, widely used i guess is the other point yeah, that's yeah. The, is it future planning you know maybe right now maybe he's looking into the future and you know we're looking at it or well, what would you do with it now whereas he he's foreseeing a future or gambling on a future of us all having that data, also all having access to, you know, genomics will be the standard of care in the future. You know, pharmacogenomics mm -hmm, will be the standard mm -hmm. of care. So, you know, on our driving license, we have a little chip with our, as well as our blood group and any allergies. Yeah. There's our whole genome on there. So, you know, people can tailor therapies to us. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting long-term bet, I would say. 
Well, and I think it's, I, I don't know, it's it, like I said, it, the, there's a, where the level of, of, of genome sort of testing is at right now is, is debatable. And I, I actually just passed over a couple articles today where it was talking about, um, you know, people that are getting their genome sequenced because the price is going down and, and there's a whole new slew of, you know, health and, uh, wellness advice that goes on or that is based on, you know, some of this common genomic information that you can get. Yeah. And they're basically saying it's bullshit. I mean, the health and wellness area is filled with a lot of bullshit that you have to avoid. Uh, so this is just another caveat of it. Obviously, the genomic information will be, I think, used in the future in a meaningful way. Yeah. But, I mean, this kind of talks harkens back to one of the original conversations we had about blockchain, um, where you have sort of this totally blockchain encrypted wallet that not only has your your digital currency but your health records you know like everything your passport information all that kind of stuff can all be housed in one sort of digital space digital wallet and this could just be another thing that's added to that and then you know you have complete ownership and privacy over your data and you're well you're ready to use it whenever you need to use it with whom you choose to share it with you know, and it completely eliminates all these middlemen type businesses or people that need to get a slice for you just using your your stuff, whether it's your genome or your your money or whatever. So count me in as a blockchain, you know, I'm 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 sold. I think this is wave of the future, dude. You're basically signing up for you know, you're signing up to be the bionic man with your new arms, new head. Signing up to be the uh, the blockchain poster boy. I'm going all in, man. You've I'm going changed. all in on the future. You've changed <laughs> since, since, since that Nazi rally you attended a couple of weeks back. You've you've definitely changed. Uh, you keep bringing that up, but I'm telling you, it was the science march that got me inspired about the future. Uh, well, speaking of the the future, you uh, you may be able to hear that uh, our newest guest presenter, who is Bruce the kitten. Uh, has just awoken and is marching my way. So I apologise to the listeners now if uh, hey. you start hearing the chaos and calamity that is going to be this ten week old monster. Um, yeah, Bruce is Bruce is the is the face of the podcast. He's the new mascot of the podcast. Well, he, he could well be the uh, the poster boy. Yeah, he's got his own. Uh, he's a social media whore. He's all over Instagram. I can't stop him. <laughs> The only thing well, is, he's more popular on Instagram in two days than I have been in about four years. So uh, that's why we got to use his his brand <laughs> power to market the podcast with his face and our professionalism. Oh, man. what could go wrong? I like it. I like it. The gang is coming together. That's right. We just need a backer now. We need like the Frank from uh, Always Sunny to throw some money at us, and then we'll be well away. It. It's gonna to have to be two Brads and two Brads and a Bruce. We're gonna to have to change the name to Triple B. <laughs> that could work. He's filling filling his uh, guts with food at the moment, so that means he's uh, <laughs> normally about five minutes from now he will go absolutely mental. So uh, no, don't be getting involved. Um, All right. Well, then we need to move this along before Bruce's before Bruce goes Bruce Banner and hulks out on us. Well, indeed. So. Um, I'm trying to think of a segue. I don't really have one. So uh, so here it is. Yeah, here it is. Let's just throw this on the table. Um, one of your five a day. So I don't know if it's the same in the rest of the world here in the UK. You know, there's a big push of, you know, you should have your five a day, your fruit and your veg and be healthy. Mm-hmm. I think the latest advice is it should be 10 a day. But, you know, I think it's instilled, one, you know, have your five a day. And you see it on packets here. You know, this is one of your five a day. Just have your five a yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eat your damn vegetables. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in the news today, I saw that um, team of scientists, these damn scientists, damn scientists, um, have actually discovered um, a plant contraceptive, and not a contraceptive for plants, a contraceptive from plants for humans. Um, a contraceptive based on plants. Yeah. For so, humans. For humans. So, you know, I, I know for years, researchers have been working on the elusive male contraceptive. That's right, um, yeah. And they've struggled because obviously it's harder to block the millions of sperm 
that the male produces compared to the one egg that the female is producing. So I, I, I know I know there's been some trials and there's been issues with safety around those trials because basically most of them all use hormones and once you start playing around with hormones, uh, things get a bit messy and sticky and there's yeah. some side effects here and there. Not literally messy and sticky. That's what causes. The, I was, uh, I like was, it. I was gonna say something, but then I was like, "Nah, he's gonna catch it himself." Uh, yeah, and, and I hadn't. <laughs> that wasn't pre-planned. See, that's what I'm doing. We do this on the fly, people. It's no yeah. <laughs> Um So anyway, this team—they're from uh, University of California in Berkeley, or Berkeley, depending on where you're from. Um, and they've isolated two chemicals: um, pristamirin and luperol. Um, and these two chemicals uh, come from uh, the dandelion root um, or from the thunder god vine. I didn't know what the thunder god vine was. I went and looked it up. It, thunder god vine is used uh, quite a lot in Chinese medicine, traditional mm. Chinese medicine. Um, it has a a more formal name, which I looked at, and I thought there is no way I'm going to be able to pronounce that after a pint of beer. So we'll stick with the thunder god vine. Sounds cooler. Uh, yeah. Um, but you also find uh, lupiol in aloe vera in uh, small quantities and also in mango. Okay. Um, so not just in dandelion roots. Basically, the way it works is it uh, prevents the sperm from whipping their tails. So okay, yeah. it effectively stops them from swimming. So they can't propel towards the, uh, the egg. Um, one of the scientists working on it described it as a molecular condom. <laughs> um, basically the way it works is it it does have a hormone effect in that it blocks uh, progesterone which is used to trigger the swimming within the uh, the sperm but actually what they found as opposed to when they use hormone patches or hormone injections or tablets in males it doesn't actually damage the sperm hmm. which is the issue they had before so what, effectively when you remove this drug the male becomes fertile again with no lasting effects whereas I know in some of the, the other trials what they found is um, you remove the patch or the injection, but it can take months or years, or maybe it's indefinite for, um, yeah, Bruce has now made an appearance. Um, <laughs> indefinitely, it can damage the sperm so that therefore um, you lose all fertility, which obviously, right. you know, if you want chemical castration, brilliant. If you're looking for a, a temporary contraceptive, not so good. Um, so, yeah, no side effects. Basically, the next part of their study is to try and find how they can make these chemicals in large numbers. So at the moment, the chemicals from these roots are in minute quantities. So, you know, don't don't stop panic eating mangoes and aloe vera and dandelion roots if that's your thing. Um, there's <laughs> no, no, no. We want to recommend to anyone that wants a contraceptive right now is just eat a shit ton of mangoes. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I would stick with the traditional methods, um, you know, <laughs> condoms, the pill, my personality. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, use that, there you go. Use that as a contraceptive. But uh, effectively, so their next wave is how can they, is there a way they can synthesize these chemicals artificially more cheaply and more readily, whereas at the moment their only source of these chemicals is to to extract them from uh, the roots and from the plants, which just long-term isn't viable. Uh, right. So that's the next wave that they're working on. And then the second wave is then progressing this uh, into um, primate studies um, in the meantime to to show the effects effectively on sperm as close to human sperm as possible. Right. Um, and then, you know, if then they can start mass producing, then who knows, maybe clinical trials at some point further down the line. But. So this doesn't, from my understanding, it doesn't kill the, it doesn't kill the sperm, obviously. Mm. It just stops them from swimming. Yep. But you said that it affects progesterone, which like induces the swimming. Yeah. So, so is it, is it, but Mike, I guess my question is, is it a mechanical, like you mess with the tail so that they can't swim? Or does it just, they never get the message to be like, hey, you should start swimming? Yeah. So from my reproductive physiology is a few years out of date. But yeah, effectively, I think in the sperm, the, the progesterone is the chemical trigger that basically says to the sperm, go. This is how you move hey, the tail. This is what you yeah. start doing. And effectively, this interrupts that pathway. So effectively, they they can't swim anymore. So they effectively just sit there, um, motionless, in effect, just sort of sat there waiting for the egg to come to them, which obviously by the time isn't going to happen. Isn't gonna happen. So, uh, 
Yeah, and interesting. When I when I first read this, I thought, well, is there is there a danger of obviously you know you've still got the the sperm there, so is there a danger yeah. that yeah, yeah. there might be there? some? But I get one. you know. Yeah, is there one that doesn't get there, or you know, does the egg come to them? But effectively, no. You you know, you're relying on anatomy and physiology to to play its role as well. So, yeah, an interesting one. I, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure if did you in where's my glasses touch on male contraception? I can't remember. I know one podcast I'd listened to, and I don't listen to many, hmm. and uh, had touched on it, and it, it it just sort of made me made me think because uh, yeah, I don't know if we did. Um, but the only, the only real big male contraceptive news that I remember in the last little while was, um, a a story that got a bunch of social media buzz about, um, they stopped, uh, trials of a recent male contraceptive because of some poor side effects, which were like acne and headaches and mood swings, stuff like this. And the big social media buzz about it was, um... Oh well, these poor men can't deal with a little side effects, even though this is what we women deal with all the time. With you know, and so they were kind of shitting on us dudes about it. But as it turned out, it was like no, it was really unhealthy for the men, and they actually, I think it was, uh, you know, upwards of seventy percent of the men in the trials said they would be willing to deal with these side effects in order to be the one to take the contraceptive so that their partner wouldn't have to. So I, that's the only male contraceptive story I remember is that we got kind of shit on a lot for it. And then it turned out it was like, yeah, no, it's wasn't good, very unhealthy for the men. And they were actually real champs about it. So, Well, and I, I think more than the, the medical, the physiological effect of the male contraceptive, I think the biggest thing is the, the physical effect of do the women trust the men enough to take that contraceptive? You know, ultimately, you know, if we take the pill as an example, then, you know, the woman takes the pill, she's in control because ultimately she's the one that potentially could get pregnant. Right, right, right. You know, so she has that that control, whereas, you know, suddenly you're, you know, you're reliant on the male having that control with no visible proof that that has or hasn't happened. So I think that's the ethical... Yeah, that's like a, yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. Um, I mean, when you're in a long-term sort of stable relationship, then it makes sense, right? Because then you trust your partner and you're both invested, well, hopefully, if a pregnancy occurs. Um, But yeah, no, that's true. Like if you're just a, a lady out, you know, having fun or whatever... And are you gonna are you gonna risk the fact that hey some guy you maybe just met or haven't you know he says he's on it but but if there's no side effects then why wouldn't from a from a male perspective why wouldn't you well yeah I guess that's the other argument of you know, you know if, because if, if, you are, as much if you are using it in a promiscuous setting then obviously you know as a man I'm guessing you don't want to be planting your seed everywhere and get you know yeah a hundred and one women pregnant or whatever so I guess from that point of view yeah there's a reliance on that but I also I think there's a I think the majority of women out there know men enough to know not all men tell the truth all the time uh, yeah. <laughs> either genders don't either you know yeah. let's, let's be fair to, you know but you know ultimately yeah who who do you who do you trust to manage uh, potentially well, something that's going to affect your own body yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's a good point uh, interesting though, and I'm I'm amazed that there's no side effects. Like that, like I mean, it's early days in terms of the research and the clinical trials and stuff like that. But you got to think that there'd be something. Like you're messing with hormones, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it basically, from what I read, it said it it blocks that activation pathway. So they, you know, they sit there. They they can still move to a degree, but they don't have that strong swim reflex, which is what they need. Um, like a salmon going up river, I guess. But, uh, like Michael Phelps destroying the Olympic pool. <laughs> How's that for a visualization? I like it. I like it. <laughs> that image is going to be stuck in my head tonight. Thanks for that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you. Somebody's trying to eat power cables now, which is never a good thing. Both, yeah. for, both for kittens or humans. Uh, word of safety advice out there, listeners. Uh, don't uh, don't eat power cables. Not good for you. 
And don't let your new podcast mascots eat those pound no, cables exactly. either. Yeah, that wouldn't be a great thing when we just put him on the front of the podcast and next week we have to announce his obituary because he's uh, chewed through the pound cable. But <laughs> just, just seeing her flash, it's not me purring into the microphone. Just so you, you know, <laughs> as much as I love looking at your face, uh, it, is, it is our other counterpart here. So That's okay, I got it. I got it. And for the listeners too, if I can't, you know, clean up the audio and there's just rampant purring, you know what? Why would I want to clean that up anyway? Well, people love cats. People love a rampant purr, is what I've heard. What, <laughs> what a great band name or album name, Rampant Purr. <laughs> That's pretty good. We'll, we might have to uh, start a podcast band then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe we could, uh, yeah, we, we gig interactively over the air. Rampant Purr. I like that. <laughs> sticking out in an envelope and I'm sending it to myself back off bitches that one is mine yeah yeah patent pending patent pending unlike your genome patent pending <laughs> well it could, could it's just so encrypted we don't know if it's pending or not that's right we don't know what secrets are in there and frankly I don't know if I want to know well good looking boy like yourself Flash there can be no secrets there I think we you know you are you are part of the master race I think that's <laughs> That's obvious for all to see. I feel like you keep trying to, in, like, you know, um, entrap me in some sort of uh, far right movement that uh, I'm not really a part of. No. You keep implying it. Not, not a, not at all, not at all, sir. <laughs> I did just download a bunch of uh, Friedrich Nietzsche audiobooks to start getting into German philosophy. So, oh God. Right, well, you can do that podcast all by yourself. You are, you are on your own for that one. All right, all right, all right. Good to know, good to know. I'm just putting the feelers out there. Uh, I'm just hurriedly writing down the summary of what we've learned today because uh, I realize I've been negligent doing that. Well, you know, we've been a bit loosey-goosey tonight anyway, so... Uh, and that's a phone buzz just going off right there. So. Well, yeah, that's that's listeners texting in right now. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, my friend. I have I was in a bit of a, a, a tired mood, but to be quite honest, once we, once we fired up the show, I was happy to be here doing it and quite enjoyed it, so... Um, let her rip with that uh, that their summary when you got it. Okay, I've got don't, it. Don't worry too much, Brad. Well, I'm, I'm not going to Part worry. of our charm, part of our charm is our, you know... Slick professionalism. Like said, yeah, well, and, you know, <laughs> loose, accessible sort of personalities and approach to podcasting. Well, I think I think you'll find part of our charm now is the 10 week old kitten called Bruce, who... Uh, that's right. We're He's, banking. Uh, yeah. Bruce, if you can't hear me, but we're banking on you, brother. Yeah, we're we banking are. on you. <laughs> yeah. So uh I've got I've got three things. What we learned today. So uh as the old saying or the old song goes, put the lime in the coconut and put it all together. But in this case, put the light in the coconut and work out there how your river flows. So uh <laughs> there you go. Uh we've also discovered that Ebola is the lifeblood of this podcast. With that, you know terrible disease. You know, people out there dying, but it keeps you and I in the, in a job. So, um, yeah, so there's always a bowler to keep us happy. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, one of your five a day could prevent the uh, once in a lifetime. Is effectively, right. You know, that could be their tagline. They can have that if they want it for their adverts when they finally uh, <laughs> work out how to mass produce these chemicals and create the elusive male contraceptive. Um, they can cut us in on a slice flash. I'm happy to share it with you as well. Hey man, yeah, yeah, no, I like it. That's a good, uh, that's a good line there. That's a good line. Well, I think we found a few businesses that I think we, you know, could promote and maybe try and weasel our way in on the ground floor and <laughs> get some get some funding for this podcast and get it real professional. Well, you know, that's that's one step at a time. Let's just take the cash and then see what we decide to do with it. I can't, <laughs> I can't promise I'd be injecting it all back into the podcast. So I'm going to be totally honest with you. <laughs> Just uh, yeah. make make that conflict of state interest statement out there now that uh, yeah it might not be that uh, yeah okay so I got it I got it your heart's not all in it oh I no it, it's all in but you know for the money yeah <laughs> that's that's what I do this podcast for ladies and gents it's not for the uh, the fame the recognition in the streets you know the 
hundreds of autographed of which letters there is and plenty. pictures. Well, obviously, you know the the women's underwear I get sent in the post. That you know, it's it's not for that. It's not for the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's purely for the money. That's what I'm here for. That's uh, right. And literally, they they deliver it in truckloads every day after we release a new episode. So <laughs> can't believe it. Yeah. Bruce has got an appetite, and he's not—he's not bringing in anything to feed himself. So, well, not yet. He's not allowed out. Once he once he gets out there in the world, then he can start feeding himself with mice and rodents. But until that day, <laughs> it's down to me. He'll—he'll he'll have to pay me back eventually in the future. So, um, Flash, it's been a pleasure as always. Hey, Amen. Always, always a blast. Um, listeners, it's been a, a pleasure. I will tweet out uh, the stories that we've uh, discussed today. Flash, I'll get you to tweet out. Your stories as well. So, uh, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, so, at 2 brad for you um, Or you can hit me up personally at Bradley W. Hayes. Flash, where can they uh, find you lurking when you're not down a dark alleyway? <laughs> uh, at B. Van Paradon is the handle I use for most of my things. So, stick to that one. And if you want to get involved with the uh, latest member of the, uh, the podcast crew, then uh, at Tabby Bruce who uh, embarrassingly has put me to shame in the Instagram world already. The, uh, that little... tabby Bruce. He's going to put us both to shame. Uh, he is, yeah, quite easily. That's uh, that's the worry out there. But, you know, I'm, ha- I'm happy to ride on his coattails, that's what I'm going to say. So... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, me too. Me too. Anyway, Flash, it's been a pleasure. Uh, until next time, take care. Sounds good, my friend. You too, listeners. Thank you once again. We do appreciate it. Indeed we do, and uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Sounds good, my friend. Speak to you soon. Later. thinking of the order that you just laid out for me and I couldn't remember it I know you were Ebola poo sticks bitcoin plants oh I totally fucked that up it's only four things come on I know man like I like I said I have no idea what's going on maybe I'm pregnant wow if only you used some plant contraceptives what was third was that third uh, Ebola poo sticks Bitcoin a blockchain yeah. sorry okay that's a thing though eh when women are pregnant they get all scatterbrained I've heard that right uh yeah they can do <laughs> yeah like but like I mean that's a no a known thing right it is yeah yeah it's a known thing yeah that's that's what our podcast should be two two men discussing what it's like to be well i've i've heard i've heard that that happens i've heard that that happens in pregnancy (laughs) you know and when they menstruate it attracts bears so you can't take them camping (laughs) everybody in canada i was gonna say a true canadian would know that It's all about the bears, man. It's all about the bears. Yeah, well, you got to be careful when you're going camping. Well, indeed. Right, should we uh, get it rolling? I guess so. Before you fall, before you fall asleep. <laughs> so. I don't think I'm going to fall asleep. I'm just, I don't know. Can't get my I rely on you being the intellectual to carry us through. So, fuck, if we're relying on me, we're screwed. I try very hard not to be an intellectual. <laughs> Well, you quite often succeed. <laughs> so, it's all compared to me, so it's all relative. Uh, the-
This is, you know, this is, we're trying to make this like an anti-intellectual show. We don't want to be, <laughs> you know, we have smart content, but, you know, not delivered in the intellectual way. We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to, you know, alienate, uh, gr- you know, large groups of people because they look at us as like, you know, oh, those elite intellectual motherfuckers. You know, they're talking. That's very talking true. With the, we're, we're, we're voices of the people. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be yeah, like I this hear, yeah. NPR bullshit that all sounds the same, and you know they all using them big words, big fancy words. Yeah. yeah. You get none of that here. We can't even spell smartphones right on the last episode, according to the uh, title. But you know, I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> really? Did I spell it right? Yeah, smartphones. Okay. Good. Sorry, a correction. Smatar phones. <laughs> All right, I'll go change that. <laughs> That's embarrassing. 